This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass. I'm your host, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. And I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Yes, you are. Uh, each week we get together, we talk about cars, motorsport, F1... Car, what else? Cars? Cars? We cars, cars, cars. We? <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can watch us on youtube.com forward slash behind the glass. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. And Tony, if people want to support this podcast, what should they do? Watch it. No. <laughs> but also head to Patreon. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash behind the glass. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. I never like to start this, this show with a negative. And maybe this isn't a negative. But I want to pick up on something. It's like a pet peeve of mine. Well, no. When people say, you're not a real car guy if. Oh, no. We did do a whole episode on this. But last night I posted on Instagram a picture of me leaning up against a Rolls Royce ghost. Now, okay, people, are, people have different frames of viewpoints and perspective about leaning on cars. I also had my foot leading up against the paint of the car. Yeah. Not ideal, right? Like, no, not ideal. You know, I could mark the paint. I get that. It's not a very respectful thing Trainers? Yeah, sneakers. Right. I wasn't exactly... How would you paint. mark the paint? Well, you know, you could scratch it, potentially. I understand why you might think that. If you've got a stone in it, maybe. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But I was, I was trying to be very careful, I think, and also it was at 3am in the morning after eight hours of driving, I wasn't really paying attention. Long story short, mm. someone put on Instagram, real car guys don't lean on cars. Really? And I just was like... You do for Instagram. <laughs> Definitely do for Instagram. <laughs> but also, I'm just a bit like... I, I, can we just stop with there are rules to being a car guy? Like, we talked about this for a whole episode. Like, you can... There's, you can be... There's like... There's no rules to being a car guy. If you're into cars, you're into cars. It's not like, oh, well, but if you, if you drive, uh, your hands are 10 to 2, then you're not a real car guy. If you shift from third to fifth, you're not a real car guy. Well, I don't shift from third to fifth because I drive an automatic. Oh, no, I'm in the van today. That's manual. You're in the van. I'm in the van today. Wow, God, look at you in touch with the people. Well, <laughs> you're, not, you're, you're not a real <laughs> car guy because you're driving <laughs> a van. I'm driving. me like it's, <laughs> and I, I, I lean up against that quite a lot. I'm not going to get into the whole debate over leaning on cars and not leaning on cars. So this guy really upset you? Yeah, well, no, because it's he's not the first one. <laughs> oh, it happens regularly. And as I say, I know we did a whole section on an episode a, a few weeks ago about what it means to be a car guy. 
And it just, it, it, I don't think there's any rules, are there? No, that's what I mean. That's oh. what annoys me because I think where it frustrates me is that when I started Seen Through Glass, I was very unknowledgeable in the world of cars. I was probably a little bit naive. And I went to a few car meets and I said silly things about cars I didn't know much about. And we still do that now. Still do that now. <laughs> do that on this podcast every week. <laughs> and, you know, pissed and heads and people really went, oh, this guy doesn't know anything. He didn't recognise a anniversary golf. Oh my God, he called a TVR. A, oh, well, I think I did call it a TVR. Anyway, but long story short, I don't like it when car people petrol heads attack other petrol heads for not being as knowledgeable or not doing the things the way that they should be done or well if you don't change your own tires you're not a real petrol head are you do you know what i think i think that people don't necessarily think anything they just comment for some attention and you've just given that person the attention well, maybe. I mean, you know, I, but it was, didn't feel like trolling. And I say it's not the first time this has happened. And that's why it, it bugs me because I don't, I would hate to be sitting at home thinking, oh, I really want to get into the car. And I get messages from people saying, oh, look, I'm really enthusiastic about cars. I don't know a lot, but I want to meet other car people, but I'm a bit nervous. I'm a bit intimidated to go to a Goodwood car meet or come down to a dealership and blah, blah, blah. Cause I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm like, screw that. Just go anywhere you want. If you're yeah. into, cars, you're into cars, like there should be no judgment and it and that's what i don't like is i see it on other people's posts i see it on my own posts i see it everywhere you know this kind of like i'm better than you because i know more about cars than you or i work on my cars and you don't and oh you know i can change the oil on my fiesta so that makes me a true car guy like, car guys and uh, we should probably say hand girls uh, not that there are many listening but a shout out to the one or two of you <laughs> um Come in all shapes and sizes. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say. All right, I get completely what you're saying, and you are 100 percent correct. It's true. Everyone, everyone should should be entitled to their opinion. One of the everyone should say what they want to say. If they don't agree with me, they're wrong. No, uh, fair enough. Well, anyway, let, let, let's move on. One of the rare times that we're going to agree, and I say one of the rare times that we're going to start on a bit of a negative note. So let's quickly move on with the episode. Did you see, I knew you saw, because we spoke about it on WhatsApp, Porsche have closed down their factory. Yeah. Now, supposedly on a temporary basis, and this all ties into the horrific war that's taking place in Ukraine. I had no idea that Ukraine supplied, well, so much to the world, naive of me, especially within the automotive industry, Mm. and especially to the VW group. Mm. So apparently all the wiring looms, this is the main thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah get produced in a factory in Ukraine. And because of this shocking war, uh, they're not, the sort of supply lines are basically just, are dead in the water. And Porsche specifically have basically run out of wiring looms and can't get any more. So they've had to halt production. Yeah. So if you had a car supposedly supposed to be built at the end of March, it ain't happening. Porsche is closed. Yeah. What does this mean for Porsche? What does this mean for us? What does this mean for values? Like, when are they going to get their wiring loop? Well, it means your car's not coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it could come, but nothing's going to work. But um, yeah, I mean, who knows, mate? I, even, you know, I do it every day and I don't know, you know, like how long is this going to be for? You would think as a business and as a global empire that VW Group are, they'll find someone else to make the looms. But, that's probably not as easy as said than done. I'm sure there's other manufacturers around the world. It doesn't all come from Ukraine. Sure. You know, so there will be other manufacturers around the world that make wiring looms. 
but they're probably flat out making the wiring looms that they've got to make anyway. So, you know, it, I, I think it will be short term. How short term? No one knows, you know, like, but, but yeah, your car's delayed for sure. Again. I mean, that's the thing. We were already in this horrific situation with new car delays and, and just a lot of uncertainty within the new car market and this is just supposedly making things even worse and it's not just Porsche who are affected there are manufacturers all over the world affected by of course as I say the war but then also the pandemic or the the coattails of the pandemic I guess um so it's just a bit it's just a bit mad and when I saw that article and it wasn't really an article essentially it was a a leaked sort of uh, email that had gone round like a bulletin yeah exactly Mm. a leaked bulletin that then got shared out on social media and and it kind of has been verified so Mm. um and we know from a few sources that it is true uh but yeah how do you how do they recover this just seems like a sort of a snowball effect of issues that i think if you go in and order a 911 today when's it turning up what 2024 well i mean porsche was bad enough as it is as in uh, you know most cars are nine months to a year if not longer but yeah this is just going to delay proceedings now they'll probably give you a rough date Land Rover have got another problem as well. They've got, I mean, they don't get their wiring looms from Ukraine, I don't think, but they have still got another problem. Um, BMW, BMW, from what I gather, the people that I speak to closely at BMW, have certain models that have been delayed, uh, M cars, certain M cars, and um, certain X product cars. Um, But in general, they have got stuff coming through However, they, as it stands, have a logistical problem where their lower drivers are Ukrainian. So, oh, well, so the, the actual f- moving of the vehicles once they've been produced is what's holding them Yeah, up. so f- I think what you'll find is there'll be cars built, BMWs that are built, they're at the factory, they're ready to go, but they can't get them out because they're, oh. they're short of logistical drivers so it's just mad and it's something that we're clearly going to be talking about regularly on this podcast for for weeks if not months to come and it is fundamentally going to be changing the automotive market for the next 18 to 24 months in what way we'll find out i suppose could be good for you (laughs) well we'll i mean i often wonder will the market ever be the same again in terms of you know before coronavirus you could get yourself a real bargain, mate, like a, a two-year-old car. Not all of them, but you're getting a two-year-old BMW, an M2 competition, for instance, and it was 55 grand new or 57 grand new, and they were retail with not a lot of miles on them, late 30s, 40 grand, and they're 18 months old or whatever. I mean... <laughs> I think them days may be gone because, again, what I'm hearing is that prices of cars are going to naturally go up anyway. I mean, there'll be many reasons why they're going to go up, but they are going up. Um, and all the all the manufacturers this year, all the imported manufacturers, they've all put their prices up, even uh, um, our little vans. They're another... I know it's only menial, but they're another 1,200 quid new than what they were last year. And cars will go up even more, you know? So that gap's getting wider and wider and wider. So, uh, I mean, from my point of view, it's kind of good because it'll keep used car values high because from our point of view, they're stupidly high for what they were two years ago. But 
I think for now, this is just the norm. This yeah. is the way it is. And I, and I don't think you, you know, if you think your new car's coming, I don't think it is. And I, I think these are just used car prices now, you know, and, and some people are saying, oh, you're just saying that to benefit your industry and you're trying to protect your industry. But I'm actually not because we move with the times, you know, like obviously we're holding stock, but once that stock's replenished, we, we move with the times. And don't forget, we have a margin. This is the reason why we have a margin. So it just means for a small period of time, if they have a big drop, we don't make as much money or, 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 or no money for a period of time. But that, that's just business. That's the way it is. Um, but, you know, I've, I just think, like, definitely for now, for the foreseeable future, I, I just don't see any different to, to the car market as it is now. Well, it's going to be interesting because our main topic today is going to be basically discussing sort of 35 grand daily or family sensible purchases, new-ish. So that's me, by the way. That's you. Versus versus the stupid old sports and supercars for a similar kind of money. Now, a couple of years ago, that would have been a much easier game to play because at 35 grand in terms of new cars, you had a lot of options. And at 35 grand on the used market, you had a lot of options. But- Prices at both new and used have kind of gone up and crept up. So the things that were 35 grand are now 40, 45. Mm. As you say, in the new market, the same thing. There's been a kind of increase. Things are creeping up 37, 40. So mm. slightly different, slightly interesting. We're going to come onto it in two seconds. I just want to quickly touch on a bit of news, which I don't think we're going to discuss in great depth, but I feel like we should touch upon BMW buying Alpina. Yes, I saw that. I guess was to be expected at some point. Like, yeah, I mean they've been a they've been a tuner partner for fifty or sixty years, possibly longer. Is it the fifties or the sixties? Uh, yeah, it's a it's I'm a drawing a blank. It's a it's a, it's long, a long time. time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, maybe BMW just think that you know they're going to go down that route now, but maybe M Sport will be. Alpina now, maybe. Well, uh, the thing is, I mean, a first time ever, I think over the last year or 18 months, I've seen quite a lot of Alpinas on the road. Okay, mm. fine. I live in and around central London where you can see almost any car that you ever want to. But I don't think I'd really ever seen an Alpina out about not at a car show where suddenly with this latest generation three series, so that's the B3 and D3S, and then the five series, the B5 Touring, etc. I'm suddenly like, oh, Alpina. I mean, I got up at the airport the other day. I flew back from the airport and there was a brand new, beautiful Alpina B3 Touring yeah. just sitting in the in the car park. So fundamentally, I think Alpina are probably selling more cars than they have done before, maybe in the UK at least, something like that. And you can see what parts BMW could potentially nick quite easily in terms of their own models. Oh, I'll sweat the Alpina wheels, please. Oh, I'll have the Alpina interior. Oh, I'll have the Alpina splitter. You know, there's a bit like an M Sport package, or if you look at Merck with AMG and things like that, I can see why, oh, Merck and Maybach, same thing, right? Yeah, or Brabus. There you go. I can see why why BMW decided to do it. Will it cheapen or ruin the Alpina product or brand? I don't think so. Well, it doesn't matter now because it's going to get owned by BMW. And, and I actually think BMW, what they've done, they've probably looked at what, Alpina have done over the last few years in terms of selling cars and they've probably got to a point now where BMW say they're not really a threat they're never going to be a threat but actually we could blow this market up we could blow this because we're the manufacturer so um, we're going to offer this from new now 
And people are paying this money. People are paying another 20 or 30 grand to customise their BMW, essentially. So we're going to get on the bandwagon. We're going to, we're going to take them out. We're going to buy them. And we're, all we're going to do is we're just going to make it better. That's exactly. But so the question is, uh, Alpine have always kind of given you the cool alternative to the BMW M products or filled a void where the M products don't exist. So, you know, the, the B3 Touring, the D3 mm. Tourings, the B5 Touring. So that's essentially an M5 wagon. Um, but now that it's part of the BMW fold, are they still going to do that? Are they going to cannibalize that? Because, for example, which one did I drive? The Alpina B3 Touring, which sits really alongside an M3 Touring. It's a sort of torquier engine, but otherwise similar kind of performance dynamics. So where does that, if, if BMW now own the product, are they still going to make that same car? They're going to Well, create- they'll just make it different. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe they want a bit of their knowledge as well. You don't know, you know, they might think, well, what they're doing over there, we really like it. So we're not, we're going to take their information and we're going to make it better because we're the manufacturer. So no one can do better than us, essentially. Um, and and that's what happened with um, Manti. Ah, okay. Yes. Sim- similar thing. As Good in, point. you know, it was just the racing arm of Porsche mm-hmm. and then Porsche just thought, well... You know, well, you're okay. quite good. <laughs> you're actually really quite good at this. So we're, you know, we're going to buy your knowledge, essentially. So, well, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I think, you know, as I say, Alpina definitely growing in uh, stature within a wider market. You know, they've always yeah. been a bit of a niche specialist brand, but I think more and more people are becoming aware of them. And, and for sure, we're going to see an Alpina range within that standard beard. Well, people product, just want different, mate. As in, uh, you know, like... It's really, really common in America, obviously, and for the American audience, they'll understand. But in this country, customising cars isn't as common. But people just want difference. It's why you've got um, Overfinch and... um, But no, but... Who does Lenny work for? uh, Urban. Urban. Of course, but even on a manufacturer level, paint to sample Porsche, Audi exclusive, BMW individual, you know, like they're they're all rolling out these high customization uh, sort of departments, MSO, McLaren, Ferrari, Atelier, you know, all of these things to try and give customers a more personal experience and a personalized product. Um, So it makes total sense, um, you know, something a bit more unique to stand out on and to splash the And I think that's where it's come from. It always comes from the top and it's filtered down, you know, and when you speak about Ferrari and Lambo, they are the best two at it, by the way, because they get you on a plane, they get you in the factory, they get you drunk. <laughs> no, that's what they do. Yeah, they feed sure. you in that nice sure. Italian yeah, restaurant. Yeah, well, the Formula One drivers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go in the tele room, you've got a l- lovely lady sitting there and she'll always advise you and she makes sure you don't pick what pink. the other... Pink or whatever, yeah. But yeah. It's really odd because you can pick what you like, but you've got to listen to her. Yeah. So you can't really pick what you like at all. She, goes, she goes, I know, darling. <laughs> I don't think it is. You know what's the real And then give sexy. you another champagne. Yeah. <laughs> I like the blue is real sexy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I've got blue, blue, blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's an amazing skill. I just need to go outside and call my wife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, darling, you I, would say. I definitely would say be that. flapping. I'll be flapping the whole time. God, me and a Ferrari Italia room. That is a dangerous, <laughs> dangerous move. Anyway, so let's wait and see. Um, and then just quickly before we come to our main topic, and speaking of brands like Ferrari and Lamborghini, we saw the first sort of spy images of what is expected to be the Aventador replacement. Yeah. So this is the plug-in hybrid, theoretical V12 mid-engine supercar. I guess SF90 rival? It'd be that money, won't it? That kind of money. It's yeah. the big flagship. And 
what we would hope and expect from Lambo, which is, yeah, hybrid technology, hopefully a decent gearbox. <laughs> and, it, and it amazing how they've moved on in price as well, because the flagship Lamborghini Aventador was quarter of a million quid once. If it's SF90 money now, it's going to be nearly half a million quid. Well, it's, don't you think it's got to be? Because Aventador's always been right up there as one of the kind of big beast, big show. But there's a big gap then, mate. There's a huge gap between... they've been building it for 25 years. <laughs> no, 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 but what I mean is, is that this is our flagship car. Yeah. It's four or 500 grand, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, well, they know they can achieve 400 because SVJs with that money and yeah. the Spiders were 430 and more, depending on where... Matt, so they knew they can achieve that money. But then a Hurricane's 200 or 220. Sure. Be an, there's going to be another car. Well, is in there? This well, is Lamborghini. This is where we applaud Lamborghini so often because actually it's Huracan, Aventador, Eurus. Buy one or go home. Like, yeah. And, and, you know, you're talking about sort of 400, half a mil. I, I reckon it's a list at what, 350, 360 plus options than you Aventador probably. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, so you got the Eurus and then you got the Huracan and... And that's where they're kind of genius. They keep it super simple. And there's always been that white, that width between a Gallardo and a Murcielago, or even later on a Gallardo and an Aventador, Huracan and Aventador. You know, yeah. That's the thing. You want the big car, you want the small yeah. car, you decide. And Urus now. I mean, again, Uruses, they were like 170, the early cars, plus a couple of options. So you'd get one for 185, 190. Well, there's a new one coming, an Evo or a Performante, whatever it's called. Well, that's going to be caught for a million quid now. Outrageous. And but, that, but everything's getting extortionate. It's getting extortionate. Yeah, I was everything. literally saying to you the other day, aren't Porsches getting expensive oh, now? They used, used to always be really a good value for money. The the value for money car, you're getting a GT3 RS for 150 grand, a brand new one. And now, like, I mean, yeah, they, they're, you know, st- they're still good value in comparison to the rivals. But, but that's what's are, a joke. But are they though, mate? Like when you've got... When you've got, for instance, you've got Vizac, and I was looking at them yesterday, so I know the prices of them. You've got Vizac GT3 RSs yep. that are like 69 plate cars, so they're two and a half years old. They've got a bit of miles on them, 2,000 miles or whatever. They're 225. Yep. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're 220, 225. I mean, they sure. would have been 185 list with the Vizacs, something like that. But you're getting really close to Lamborghini and... And Ferrari money. And I know they're very good at a particular thing. And as we know, Porsche's right up there is one of my favourite brands, them and Ferrari. But it, to drive on the road and, to, and, and, and kudos and, and the way they make you feel, that they're not like Ferrari or Lamborghini, mate. I mean, there's nothing like them too in terms of, you know, the, the special fa- and Ferrari are way ahead Lamborghini more safe because since Audi and whatnot. But Porsche being similar money, I mean, are they value for money anymore? They are value for money list. Yeah, so that's exactly what I was about to say. I've been foaming at the mouth, chomping at the mouth <laughs> to get in. Because I think this is, a, this is the different debate and it circles back to how we started this podcast. It's the used market that is making Porsches now, yeah, not necessarily stand out as being good value for money. Mm. At list, they still represent theoretically great value in comparison to their rivals. I mean, heck, when you're specking up a new Carrera S or GTS to 120 or 130 grand, that is still a ton of money for a 911. But when you look at the Bentleys, when you look at the Romas, when you look at things like that, 
it's sort of, you know, there. They're 200. There. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So you're still theoretically good value for money. But I think the last two to three years, the Porsche modern used market has gone insane. The cult of Porsche has blown up. 997 GT3 RS is at 175 grand. What is that about? Unbelievable. I mean, 996 GT3 RS is at 150 grand. Are they? Oh my God, You are yeah. joking. No, gone. I mean, everything within, you know, any sort of spectrum. So 996 onwards, that's a GT product, gone. 130, 140 grand, gone. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, the, there's not many desirable Porsches that are still affordable, like sub 100k. Mate, there's another one as well. And we spoke about this in the group. Um, and I know it's not really a bit off topic, but um, DK Engineering advertised a SLS. Oh, yes, Merck. Really, really low mileage, proper history, really lovely car done 2,000 miles. It's 200 grand. <gasps> Now, I had one of them about 10 years ago. I told you the story once before, and I couldn't give the flipping thing no away. One for no, no one cared. But So at the time, and, and I've had one of them, so I, I've, I've used one, I've driven one, I've not just driven one, I, I used it. And um, I've had a 458 as well. I've had a few 458s. And they were the direct competitors in the, in the, at the time. And the 458 is not even a little bit better than that, Merck. It's because it's got that stupid, them stupid doors. That can be the only reason why. So, basically, you buy that car, you pay a load more money, and if you have a crash, you can't get out. It's so cool, though. Yes, it is, <laughs> it is very, I very mean, cool. But it's a the dog same, to drive, You say the mate. same thing about Aventadors and McLarens, or, you know, like anything with a scissor door, four GTs. Just, I mean, like, everything's got issues. Uh, let's not think about if you crash, because let's hopefully you won't crash. The SLS, it's a very cool car. Okay. Like, that's a car for me that I've always found very desirable. And, and I like them as well. But to drive the 458 is miles better so why isn't a low mileage 458 more than 200 grand because ferrari can can command more money than, than a merc but i think you, i think you nearly hit the nail on the head where when when do merc build cars theoretically as unique or as special as that amg gt now we've seen they've done a thousand iterations a thousand variations etc etc well sls it wasn't particularly desirable at the time they didn't make that many of them it stands out as being the gullwing successor however many years later. It's an iconic look at that era, which, let's face it, everything that's going mental right now is a modern classic. Late 90s to, to yeah. early te to 2010s. Yeah. That's what's flying. And that car, I say for me, it's an iconic car of that period. Yeah. One that I would definitely want in my collection. Yeah. So I, I get it. I mean, I get and it. And had I not had one years ago, I would want one as well. And, on, and, and actually, there's a car I often look at, similar era, and that's the uh, CLK 63 Black. Oh, yeah. So you like the DTM one, don't no, you? No, I don't like the DTM. Oh. I like the standard one. Right. It's Paul, Paul likes the DTM Right. One. So they were 50 or 60 grand yeah. Yeah. not that long yeah. ago. Yeah. And yeah. a good yeah. one is 120 yeah. now. Yeah. And I love them. I think they're very understated. And I liked them from the Clarkson. Sure. Yeah, because he, he had one for a yeah. long time. He had yeah. one, you know. And I, so I drove a red one last year or two years ago. Last year, I think. Uh, and it's a monster. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's cool and it shakes yeah, and it yeah. sounds aggressive. And, Won't oh. be fast in today's standards, Who though, cares? right? No, well, well, I mean, I care. But yeah, no, yeah, yeah. but like, you know, come on. Like, it, no! It, oh, <laughs> 
on a day-to-day level. I know you're always sitting there thinking about well, how will it do in the Alps when I'm out with the lads, but well, that's when but, I drive my cars. No, but but you should start driving cooler stuff more often. You can keep the real special instead of having a track toy. You basically have an Alps toy. And that's fine. You can have that and leave that be in the garage. But then you should really look into having something that's a bit cooler and a bit more fun for the for the weekend like or for the UK trips. Yeah, like, like, a, like a Scud or a CLK Black or something which you can get a bit of a buzz out, which isn't going to literally get you speeding ticket every time you leave the unit. And it, you're not going to be worried about mileage and all these different things. The I think problem I have, though, mate, is that I have such a choice of... I know they're all modern, but like... I would never use it. This is my problem. Like, when when would I use it? Because I'm at work at the most... weekend. But I'm you at wouldn't work... take out the special thing. You leave a... that for the Alps trip. Yeah, but I'm at work most of the time, and like in case you know the odd time. And as well, I've got the dog now. So welcome uh, to my life. Like you know, I'm always in in a van or an SUV because quite often I'm out with the dog. My life's changed a bit more. You know, gone are the days where I had four or five supercars doing. 25,000 miles a year and being silly and losing a load of money. It's all like I've got one special car now for that purpose because I, I do that two or three times a year. That's the only time I drive it. I don't drive it here. And like the rest of the time, I've got plenty of... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Other cars that I, I I can use, but wouldn't it be nice to have something with a little bit of character and feeling, like an SLS or a CLK Black, or I think a Scud's probably not quite the right direction. That that it was a beautiful morning this morning. This weekend's supposed to be stunning weather. You're not going to have to think about or worry about miles on something which is like you know your big special halo car for the big trip. It's something that's going to make you smile, give you a bit of a buzz that you can take into work on a Saturday morning, or you could take for a quick supercar drive and meet on a Sunday, maybe without the dog. And then you can dump it and jump in the SUV. But just something with a bit of pizzazz. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And I do look sometimes because obviously these older cars, and we're going to come onto it soon. That's a good segue. I know, that's unbelievable. That's, that's why I'm pushing it, Tony. <laughs> that's why I'm pushing it. And um, the problem is, is that, you know, which we're going to come to, you can't use these cars all the time or a lot. 
you know, I know you've done a lot of miles in your Ferrari, mate, but in general, I can't remember the last time I saw you in that car. You literally do a trip in it or go and do something in it. You get it checked, then you leave it for six months, don't use it. It, not strictly true. If you look online, that's what you would be led to believe because I, don't, I filmed so much with it. I'm not literally going to post every single time I'm out and about in it. And I'm also not going to drive it down to your unit because I freaking hate that lane to your unit. It's way too narrow. But, but I see got, you a lot, mate. I yeah. see you always at least once a week. But here? Yeah. Yeah, I don't bring the 360 here. But, but I take it for a drive. I, why am I going to? I'm not going to do. I'm not, I don't. Where daily. are you going, mate? Where are you driving? Out to cafes, Dalesfords, my parents, down two hours outside. Like anytime I've got a nice drive or I want to go for a drive, that's when I take that car to drive it. I don't use it to potter around daily in London. It's no point. I use it for a drive. I say, right, I want to go for a drive now. I'm going to take out the 360. But when I drive, normally in general, it's work related six days a week. You yeah, know, no, fair, but, fair, fair, fair. I, I just, why, when would I use that? When would I use a car like that? I don't know. Exactly. But, but, but maybe get one and find out. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I'm excited because we're, we're slowly turning into <laughs> modern classics. You know, um, but as you say, it's also a perfect segue into our main topic for today because if you're not the ludicrous amounts of money that Tony's often looking to spend on cars uh, and you're at something a bit more of a reasonable budget, let's say around 35 grand here in the UK, which is probably forty-five, $50,000 in the US these days. Um, if you're looking at either a new sensible car doesn't necessarily have to be a family car, but something which is reliable and practical and fast. A Golf R is a perfect example. Can't think of many others. Hopefully, Tony will. Could you instead choose oh, no. to go a little bit wacky oh, no. and get something a bit older, but a bit cooler? And this really comes off the end of last week's episode. We had a big <laughs> argument about- Is it last week or the week before? Maybe it's the week before. I can't even remember. I lose track, but we had a big argument <laughs> you about, lost. about modern classics <laughs> and the running costs <laughs> and whether it's actually feasible to have one. And I thought, well, look, let's just look at some of the cheaper theoretical stuff, which, <laughs> which I think, you know, just, a, just it's a better option, you know? It can still offer you the practicality, the usability. It's a better option. Well, oh, we're going we're gonna to talk about this now, and you can decide, audience, whether you think it's a better option overall once you listen to both opinions. <laughs> so I jumped on Autotrader. I had a little browse just to remind myself. Okay. And I found one, two, three, four, five cars. So circa 35 grand. Well, we don't, we don't wait for two hours. <laughs> five cars to circa 35 grand that I would put forward as suggestions for people to go and buy for that thrill, for that excitement, for that experience. And I've got three others that are like, uh, even a bit safer. So my first five are a, a bit aggressive. As in, like, you know, like... As like, in... YOLO! Remortgage your home, aggressive. Yeah, literally. <laughs> God knows what Putin's going to do next. <laughs> Buy yourself a supercar while you can. So I'll let you bat first, if you like. All right. With a nice, sensible, but attractive 35 grand car. M340i. BMW. M340i. Okay, saloon or touring? Either really or. Matter. Hey, 35 grand. Which generation? But the the newer generation, you will you will get a, definitely a saloon. You'll get a only just, but you would get one, a used one. Really? I would have thought so, yeah. I think you'd be surprised. Well, it might be 40 grand. Well, then you're out of the budget, mate. <laughs> well, all right, then we'll... we'll <sighs> Hold on a sec, let's the, check. The diesel, then. <laughs> so, three series. Because, honestly... I remember uh, Alexander's got one of the got a three forty D. Is that the top spec one you can get these days? Three forty. Fifty grand. Oh mate, they had up at seventy. Yeah, it was a brand new car. He still got that. <laughs> no, he actually sold it. Yeah, they churned <laughs> probably through cars one of his there. mates. Uh, so I was like, "What did you say? Three forty i. 
So from like 2019. 340i. Let's go. 2019, mate. Yeah. Max year 2019. No, no, no. Do minimum year 2019. Because max year, you'll get too many of them. Okay. Minimum year 2019. So weird how the public look at auto 30, 33 and a half grand for a 340i 2019. 30,000 miles. Okay. Yeah. I don't think you can get a new, new shape one. But you can get a you get an attractive car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, or just, or, you know, if you get a new shape, 330i then you know just just I don't a think you're getting the latest new shape one. well you you could if you you will mate i don't think you will buddy the the the, the, the go 330 or 320 but at some point well no but then, then let's just go I, new shape 3 series bmw no but see the thing is that's boring it's a family if car you get a 320 it's part of the argument yeah yeah but that's boring <laughs> a 320 here you go fair play 2019 a revised shape the facelift shape 330i, 32 grand. All right. So that's what we're going with. 330i. Uh, not 340. Okay, that one I'll give you. <laughs> 330 I'll give you because you're right. We love BMW tech. It's practical. It's reliable. It's going to be fast. I used to have a 330 back in the day. Like it's going to be a pretty, pretty 260 horsepower. Yeah. yeah like a two litre engine now, but whatever. Exactly. It's yeah, going to yeah. be nice. It's going to be fruity. But it's understated. You're one of the masses. Yeah. You could be confused for a telephone salesman or whatever those, you know, cliched jobs that people used to say. BMW drivers you've got say. a family. Yeah, but, what? but. Understate it's good if you've got a family. Yes, okay, fine. I'm kind of going at this from. Okay, so the wrong direction. Yeah, not the wrong direction, but maybe you've got a family, but I don't want that to be the predominant choose. I'm talking about, it shouldn't be a family car versus a sports car. It should be new New versus used is what I'm doing. Okay, well I've got another one. I've got other ones, which, okay, so which aren't family cars. So you go, you back I'll, next, mate. I'll back back. So I, it's one nil to me. That's not no. Audi R8 V8 manual. Well, I am so glad you said that <laughs> car because I have got easily five reasons why you do not buy that car. Because on my way here, it was the one on, one of the cars on my list. That I thought. That is brain damage, that car. That, honestly, that is a money pit. You go manual or artronic? I said manual. Manual. Still a money pit. Tell me why. Give me your five reasons. How much? A few grand. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, uh, diffs. Okay. The suspension. Suspension I've heard a lot about, actually. Yeah. Go on, yeah. Um, they do the rear main oil seal. Yeah. Uh, I've not heard too many real engine, like actual engine. I think that V8 engine's very robust. But the problem is with that car, mate, is everything like the, the that mag ride suspension is disaster. a disaster. And there's only there really isn't many people in the country that can fix it because you've got to be coded to the car. So your normal garage. For instance, affordable garage. Your normal affordable. No, no, no. They, they, they say they can't do it. Yeah, yeah. So we can't do it. Yeah. And then there's other. Uh, I had once uh, fuel pump went on one. Not, not, not funny. Yeah, but I had a BMW 330i that leaked fuel from the fuel hose. I had brake failure. I had every single fuse in the fuse box go. I got locked in it three times. Like cars can be disasters. Yeah, that was an old 330i. It's not a new fair, one. Fair. I have heard that V8 R8 can have their problems. 
I'm sure there are situations where they don't. Well, and then you get to the V10 one. <gasps> well, that's definitely not 35 grand. So let's not even go go near that. But I think as a, as a car that you could rock up and then people who aren't into their cars might think is 100 grand and a way to stand out and driving enjoyment. It's a, it's a comfortable GT car, that R8 V8. It's not a supercar. It is, because the engine is lethargic. It's a big V8. It's not particularly fast. It's a very nice- 330's probably faster. Probably. <laughs> but the sensation that you get, the feeling walking up to it, the feeling when you arrive somewhere, the way that other people will look at it, will give you a million more tingles than rocking up in a 330. Your main problem with that car as well is what people always forget about these cars that are around that figure, is that once upon a time- they were at least a hundred grand. So you are buying a hundred grand car for a third of the money. So brakes, they're for a hundred grand car. So they're not forty quid to replace the parts and the the, uh, the running costs. Yeah, are the, yeah, you're right. So how do you drive these cars? I mean, you'd absolutely cripple you. Listen, they're okay if you're going to have them as a toy. But you're saying as a replacement, so everything that you bring up today, I'm going to tell you flaws and why you shouldn't drive these cars every day. Because you'd literally be bankrupt, mate. It's okay if you're going to drive them once a week like you drive your Ferrari or once every six months, where I think they say when you drive your Ferrari. How often do you drive your... <laughs> so I was about to land you in it there. How long do I drive my special car? I told yeah. you, three times a year. <laughs> That's in, a stretch. In, in, in I, the I tell you drive it once a year. Do you do one trip with it? Two That's, trips. Uh, one. I've done two trips with the other one. I've got a new one now, by the way. I was going to say, let's see, what, <laughs> let's see what happens with that. Anyway. Wait, anyway. people get annoyed when we don't tell them <laughs> what it is. Let's carry on. Yeah. Um, I'm going to surprise you with one of my choices. So look, let's not ban around R8 V8. I still think it's a cool car and I would have one instead of a 330i. Okay. Personally. I, I wouldn't. Okay. Next. Next. Yours. Golf R. Yes, uh, hard to debate Golf R. Or S3, new shape S3. Could you get a new shape S3? Mm, yeah. You're stretching the budget. You're, you're being you're, a bit loose with this budget, Tony. If we're, going on, if we're going on list price new, yes, you can get both. Okay. So yeah, Golf R, very hard to, to debate. I think very cool, great performance, kind of classless, as long as you don't mod it like a nutter. Um you know, so you're accepted everywhere as much in a, in a sort of uh, car meet as you are just rocking up at your nans. Like, I'm trying to think of the negatives around a Golf R. I think the latest one is a little bit sort of plasticky, boxy, like don't really have any feeling. I mean, it's mm. a Golf, so what are you expecting? Mm. But it's all a bit like the steering's a bit numb and the pedals are a bit numb. But that is the problem with modern cars in general. They are a little bit... M- a little bit more of a device, but don't forget they are so perfect now in terms of what we also forget is that these manufacturers, they have to make a car for everyone. So have to make a car, even if it's a golf R, you have to make a car that your nan can drive, your granddad, your daughter, your son, the mum, the dad, it's for everyone. And then it's got to have all the tech. It's got to fit four or five people in it. It's got to have good boot space it's got to have some performance. You've got to be able to drive it sensibly because your nan don't want to drive. She wants to drive at 25 mile an hour. She don't want to drive her airs on fire like the dad does. So it 
manufacturers really think about that, which is why they make so many cars in general. And they're really very clever now with how they make these cars. So they make, they'll make a chassis and then they'll make three or four different cars out of it. So, and Volkswagen are really, really good at that. Or the Volkswagen group, for essentially. So, of course. you know, there's a, there's a reason why they can be a bit dull for that reason. I have a fantastic alternative to the Golf R and one that I hope you didn't see coming. So would you have a Golf R or a BMW i8? Well, <laughs> curveball. Uh, it's not a curveball because I would still have the Golf R would to you? use every day. Yeah, because that BMW um, is a pain in the ass to get in and out of. Agreed that, because you have the big sill, that the doors are sort of awkward to get in and out of. Yeah, you're right. It's when you go to the car park, I mean, you've got about that much room. Yes. <laughs> so first, Silly doors don't make car parks easy. No, they don't. And for audio listeners, I've moved my fingers about four inches. So yeah, that's the gap. That's, <laughs> that's the, the, gap. the illustrative gap. Yeah. <laughs> that's the gap between how you get in and out of the car. So it's not very elegant. You know, if you pull up somewhere, you sort of roll out of it. And so, fall in it. I mean, but bloody cool. It's a bit like the Kuntash and Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, like, it's the doors go up, it's low, slow. But that's a, a Lamborghini, mate. I mean, yeah, a BMW. Do you want to get, do you want a scene? You to can't be get a 35 grand Lamborghini, mate. No. <laughs> like, you know, it's all about on a budget. You've got to be a baller on a budget. So, um, as well, as far as I know, they've started to have problems now. Them. Are I you hate. just saying that to poo poo no, me? Like, I'm are not they saying really it to poo poo. Having... Yeah. Go I mean, on. I would, I would expect that the, the battery, that that whole system, that whole hybrid system, would have issues because it's dated now. It's mm. old, and what does that mean? We talk about regularly, like what, what do hybrid systems look like after eight, ten years, things like that. But I don't know. I, I haven't heard that. I'm not really in that world or in that market, so I, I wouldn't know. But I just think the IA, as much as I'm not really a fan, I'm just thinking of you know people who aren't car nerds. IA gets a ton of looks still. It is low slung. It does have good performance. Heck, it's a bloody hybrid. So you're saving the world. Thanks, mm. Greta. Um, you know, all of these different sort of benefits and the excitement and the feeling of owning one is probably going to be way more than a Golf R. You're going to lose a little bit of practicality, but this is somebody who's prepared to give up the sort of practicality and uses for something that's a bit cooler, a bit sexier. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you, I'm not going to concede... But what I am going to do, I am going to half agree with where I think you're coming from. Because if you are going to pick, because I probably can guess what you have picked and it will be miles worse. At least that car is a little bit more modern. It will be a 2014 car or whatever. So I bet some of the toilet you've got on that list will be like <laughs> I've disaster. Tried, no, but I've tried so hard not to allow myself to pick the absolute crap. So the next two, I think, are also equally fairly solid shouts. But the, the, the thing is, the, B- the, the BMW i8 is still quite a modern car. They've only just but mate, finished that's it, 35 making... 35 grand, that's what I'm saying. You yeah. can do one for 35 grand. But, but at the top of the show, you said modern classics. I mean, that's not a modern no, classic. No, I didn't necessarily... I meant, I meant new versus used. It was supposed to be new car for 35 grand versus used car for 35 grand. What could you get on the used market for the same money that was potentially way more exciting, way more supercar-like? Now, I'm not going to sit here and go, we well, could get a new Golf R or a used RS3. Like, that's too, too similar. It's, it's about... 
let's be a bit wacky. Let's be a bit YOLO. We've all learned over the last three years that life can change fundamentally very quickly. And with production delays uh, seeming to go on forever and prices increasing, rather than sitting around for 18 months waiting for that golf art to turn up, what could you go out and buy that could be more exciting, more fun, more full of emotion today for the same money? Mm. That's supposed to be the point of this discussion. So, moving on, what's your next suggestion that I can bat away? Yaris GR. (laughs) 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 Ah, you can't get me on that one. Yeah, I'll retire on that one. I I haven't thought about that. (sighs) And you didn't think I'd think about that, Because do you know why... To, I'll, I'll straight away bring in my my suggestion for, you know it'll be a Nissan GTR oh my god are you joking I sort oh. of am but I would I'm going to come out straight away and wave the white flag because I would say it would be worth waiting for a Yaris GR instead of buying a sort of 2009 GTR oh my god but I just think that the Nissan GTR as much as we know it's fundamentally a pile of crap it's still just about just about represents uh, a performance window uh, uh, a car that is desirable that 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 feels like you're tapping into a slightly different echelon mm. above a hot hatch like i think we you said it before a couple of times you know it's faded from that that plinth that it was on. Well, it was, it was a supercar killer. It was a supercar yeah. killer and an affordable supercar yeah. killer. And it's not quite there anymore because everything's moved forward. But still, it's still bloody quick. It's still very cool. It's still desirable. And if you can get in one at 35 grand, that is still kind of cool. But if it was wait for your GR Yaris nine to 12 months or buy a GTR today, I think I'm going to have to side with you and say, just, just wait for the Yaris. That, honestly, mate, them them older GTRs, I mean. <sighs> well, the gearbox in the new one can't decide what it's doing. Uh, yeah. God knows that, what it was like in the uh, old yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Servicing costs in them and, you know, because the early ones needed servicing a lot quicker than the old, than the newer ones, essentially. Again, brakes, um, they suffer with engine problems now as well. I mean, the tune ones, I mean, especially the tune ones, I mean, flipping. I mean, that is an honestly a can of worms. I can imagine. I, yeah. I say, I, I'm siding with you on that one. I just, I wanted to lump the GTR in there because I think still some people have a real sweet It's good value. It. I mean... Yeah, for the performance. Yeah, and actually, when you think about it, they were 58,000 quid, 60,000 quid, the early ones when they were new. And they're still 30, 35 grand now. I mean, if you... It's not bad. It's unbelievable, mate. 11 years or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 12 or 13 years old, 2009. They're 12 or 13 years old, and they've lost 25 grand in value. 2009? Yeah. Long time ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, fair play. Well, anyway, you uh, you definitely win on that point. I've got a couple of others. I don't know when to lob them in. So go on. Uh, Give me your next one. So next one is a Jaguar <laughs> F-Type. Okay, so you're going for the four-cylinder, right? Yeah. What, what do they start at? Don't they start a little bit more than that? Yeah, but but if I'm, I'm sort of... It's still a modern car. It's still like a modern... It's like I went the BMW. So the, F, the F-Type, you'd still get like a... You wouldn't get the newer shape, but you'd get your shape downstairs. I mean, yeah, my, abs- my shape's the new one. Yeah, but you'd get like the, like the face. But there's no, there's a. Hold on, so the you'd get like a 2019 one. car. Yeah, the, the 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 
<laughs> the better looking one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. What, what did I say? I'm trying to find the price of the new. What do they call it's it? Got an the, auto the P something. What do they call it? I get so confused now. By the P three hundred or two fifty? Are they? But they'll be about 35 grand, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, that one's not that Cu- one. Oh, sorry, on the used market. Yeah, a couple, okay. of, couple of three-year-old one. One that's not, it's not going to cause you any problems. It's still it's got 20,000 miles on Jaguar, it or whatever. Jaguar F-Type model variant. Just a base two-litre one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, um, what have I got in here? Sorry, everyone, uh, bear with us. <laughs> Uh, entertain yourselves well because the reason is i obviously had an f-type r yeah the early 550 horsepower yeah that was one of my suggestions but i was like well firstly it's a little bit too new i think um and also this is the problem when you start to look at that four cylinder it is a great car it's great value for money but I'm always going to lean towards having a huge, great V8 for a similar amount of money. But but that but that's fair, mate. I mean, I'm just trying to be practical. I mean, you know, at that point when you've got a hunking big V8, I mean, you're you're not going to get one for thirty five grand. No, uh, uh, you know, no, you are. You are the V8 Rs. You can get for thirty five grand. But there'd be an older one, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm not going old. I'm going newer. You're going newer. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a bit of a weird one. This one. And I would I, go Cayman, but Caymans are not thirty-five grand. No. You're right. We're here. I'm looking now. There's a 2017 35 grand. You can just. You would get a pretty bogo spec. You know, yeah, 35 yeah, yeah. grand. You're right on the limit of finding a force. So yeah. at, th- at that point, I'm sorry, I'm going to outdo you and say definitely get the V8 because there's no point from a 2018 <laughs> four-cylinder for 35 grand with a crap spec and 50,000 miles you could get a V8 for the same amount of money uh, and it will look exactly the same because those facelift cars did nothing. But you're going to get a V8 with a load of... that's going to cause you a load of aggro. It's not. They, they, it didn't cause me any aggro. It's just the fuel. It's not going to cause you any aggro. That car's no... I don't think any more expensive to run than the thing. The servicing costs were literally like... I remember from the V6 to the V8, it was like either you're going to pay 300 quid or you're going to pay 400 quid. Yeah. But the reason why they bring that two litre out as well was to appease the masses but you know because not ev- not not everyone could afford the v8 or even the v6 and and the the two liter i believe is their best-selling it's car their best-selling one 50 yeah. 50 of the cars were the and that uh, and that there'll be a reason for that because uh, they're uh, the most cost effective for sure they're the cheapest to run they're cheaper cheapest to insure you can use them every day i mean but if we're going used versus used i'm sorry used four cylinder do not do it get the used v8 and if you're buying yourself new- no, but, but but you've you've kind of ruined the discussion because <laughs> you're, it's supposed to be buy new and wait or buy used something sexier and you can't buy a new F-Type four-cylinder for 35 grand. So you're just buying an old four-cylinder. At that point, just get the V8. Just get the V8. It doesn't matter. Like, it, it, you're stupid at that point. You're stupid. 35 grand, you get a V8 or four-cylinder, get the V8. Oh, I've got another one Go that's on. really, really This is This is your last one, by the this way. This is... Okay, fine. Uh, Fiesta ST. <laughs> I can beat you. Because that's a great shout. What yeah. a great little car. An ST3 or something. Sure. Fantastic. Well under 35 grand. 25 yeah. grand for a new one. Sure. But you could get a 997.2 Carrera S. A 997.2 Carrera S. Hello. Which is a proper car. Which is a proper car. I was really, really hoping was you was going to say, gonna say the, 
the 997.1 oh, okay. I was going to pull you apart yeah, at that yeah, point. Yeah. But you can just about find some dot twos. At 35 yep. grand. Yeah. Slightly higher mileage, maybe not ideal spec, but you can find them. Again, the only problem with them will be just general general maintenance like brakes and suspension and stuff like that it just will be expensive because it's a Porsche but from what I know engine and gearboxes are pretty solid on them on the previous generation on the dot one they were a disaster score boring and that Tiptronic gearbox was a waste of time um, but the dot two was miles better and I've said it's on here loads of time that's when I thought Porsche really become properly good around that era and that's when that car come out so I can't really argue with you because I've sort of said it before that that was when I thought Porsche were really, really good. So, so I'm pretty sure that means I've just won. Well, you haven't. I think that's, that's well, I got the GTR. No, I didn't get the GTR. No. I, I got the F-Type R. I got the 911. And I definitely got the i8. That's three. You didn't get the i8. Y- yes, I did. You got the Yaris. And the you Golf got R and the and BMW. The no, you didn't get the BMW. What did I say for the BMW? Yeah, oh, I did get the BMW. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's a draw. But I can put it there. But- <laughs> <laughs> I hope you've what enjoyed did- that. <laughs> what did we do? Six then? Yeah, we did six. Yeah. yeah we did oh, six. three each. Three each, yeah. We both got a point, so I think that's all right. <laughs> um, but look, it's I would a, have it's tried a- harder if I thought it was a competition. It's one <laughs> it's always a competition, Tony. It's one of those debates which which we are having regularly on WhatsApp, but I know lots of you are as well. And and endlessly because because you can always find interesting cars on the used market, but the question is, when it comes into running costs, when it comes to practicality, is it worth it? But I, it's a debate that I always weigh up every single day of my life. So, I'd uh, love to know your thoughts. Uh, definitely let us know in the comment section below uh, any of your, which way you might side in some of those uh, discussions. Um, next week, very excitingly, uh, should there not be any diary clashes, we're going to have Max Chilton on, ex-Formula One driver, Max Chilton. He's doing some very interesting things uh, here in the UK. Uh, it's part of a sort of new sub-series we're doing called the In-Depth Series, following on from the interviews we've done with Shmi 150, myself, Tony, Paul Wallace, Emma Walsh, etc. Um, hoping to do a load more of these years, and Max can be one of our first guests of that sort of formalised uh, series. So if you've got any questions, any thoughts, anything you want to know about Max's life in F1, some of the road cars he's owned, which have been amazing, you can often see them over on Instagram, let us know in the comments section below so we can submit those to him next week and there was something else i meant to mention oh yes any listeners from vancouver or calgary i might be visiting some family it's the beginning of june end of may beginning of june so if you're based in vancouver or calgary canada yeah canada have some uh cars that you might want me to film or think i might want to film places i should go coffee shops anything like that let me know because family all over the world i do yeah, you've got a big family, boy, haven't you? Yeah, you know, don't mess around. The royal family. Oh, your no, ancestors didn't. <laughs> the royal family, yeah. Well, I, I, was, I said that before you could. Uh, anyway, if you want to follow Tony, he's at Tony Grawood Car Sales on most social media platforms. I'm at Seen Through Glass on most social media platforms. And yes, we will be back with you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 